Hey guys, welcome to the You Make the Scene podcast. My name is Josh, and this is episode number 173. On this episode, I have an incredible conversation with John Tufnell of the band St. Agnes. Um, huge shout out to him for taking the time to have this conversation with me, and we rescheduled at one point because of some stuff that I had going on. Uh, so again, big shout out to him for being flexible and rescheduling. Um, great conversation. If you guys aren't familiar with this band yet, then fucking get familiar. Uh, they've got a new album getting ready to drop. It is called Bloodsuckers. It drops on July 21st, so be sure you go over, check that out, pre-save it, um, check out the catalog that they've got. This conversation was really cool. John and I talked about a lot of stuff, especially around the album Bloodsuckers um, and kind of some of the struggles that Kitty went through. Um, if you're not familiar with the band, Kitty is the lead singer. Uh, some of the struggles that she went through at the time of writing this album and uh, just the formation of this particular piece of art uh, is a really cool story. So John and I talked about that and so much more, um, including just kind of the overall sound of the band and working their way through the COVID years and getting, you know, the ball rolling again, if you will, now that um, the pandemic restrictions have lifted in a lot of places and things like that. Um, so yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's dive into my conversation with John from the band St. Agnes. So to kick things off, let's start mm-hmm. with the, the boring question, right? Yeah. Who are you and what do you do in the band? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm John. I play guitar and, uh, sing a little bit for St. Agnes. Um, yeah. but also, do like production mixing we're we're kind of totally in-house we make our own videos everything so yeah on stage i'm playing guitar behind the scenes a bit of everything basically awesome and i knew that i just it's easier for you to say it than me to go back and say it later at the beginning of a an intro so um yeah so i i'm it's super stoked to be talking to you because the guys over at um Adam Switter were able to get me the the record uh, uh, earlier today, as a matter of fact. So cool. I've been listening to it a few times today. Okay, cool. Really digging it. Um, started digging into you guys when when Shane hit me up. I I feel like I had heard the name, but like wasn't familiar yet. You know. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think a lot of that's just the the overseas market, right? Like it's hard yeah. to break in when you're coming out of the UK or vice versa. It's it's hard to make a dent in anything wherever you are. I'm I'm always amazed by how um, kind of divided or, or how how niche everything can be. So I'll sometimes come across a band that's in the UK that plays music that is kind of close-ish to what we do, yeah. and they sell out two thousand capacity venues, and I've never heard of them before. And I'm like, this is this is the space that I live and work in all day every day. And not only have I like not done a show with them, I literally have never heard of them. Right. But because they're because they're like this tiny, much too different from us that we just don't cross each other's paths. Right. And, uh, so yeah, the idea that um, that we are able to make a dent in the US or Australia or South America or wherever, like, 
it's really hard you know it's hard enough to get people in the uk and europe to be aware of who you are so yeah it's it's a constant battle and it's one that uh you're always trying to look at a way like how how do we make an impact here how do we get in front of people because we always know that once we're in front of people who are potential fans we'll we always seem to win them over you know whether yeah. it's the live show or the record it's just getting out there i think most bands face the same issue well i think especially in today's world right like with the the digital age is great but it's also really really oversaturated with music so there's just so much shit hitting the spotify's and apples and whatever Mm -hmm. that it's like okay if you don't have that song that breaks out and makes the right playlist it's really hard to get noticed it's it's really difficult and even bands that are more established so on, on our label there's bands like ghost and sleep token uh, you know really top tier stuff um even if you talk to people who are say a fan of sleep token they might not know anything outside the three most popular songs right it's, I think that people just don't have the time to invest with albums as much um, because, as you said, the oversaturation. It's really difficult because I think most artists tend to think in a more long form way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same as someone wants to make a film rather than just make a short. You know, people yeah. want they want to say something and they want to be able to dig into it quite deeply and put that across and it is difficult when you're an artist to deal with the fact that okay well this person's going to be looking at me for 20 seconds on Spotify how do yeah. we grab them but don't do it in a cynical way where we just create the most grabby thing it still has to be part of an album and work as a whole and we're, we're always trying to find a balance in that way and ultimately to be honest we've just decided to side with make the long form art that we want to make and if if it ends up on the right playlist and the right people find it great if it doesn't it's what we wanted to make and that's that is more important to us like uh, particularly after some of the personal trials that kitty in particular has been through for the, the last 18 months um i don't know if you're aware but she lost her mum just at the beginning of the uh, yeah so she lost her mum at the beginning of the kind of writing process and the just at the start of the very last tour that we had done before it so it's incredibly traumatic, difficult time. And she said it put into sharp relief for her that some of life is total bullshit and some of life is really important. And right. she was able to separate those two very clearly and was like worrying about what other people think, worrying about making something for like the market is just bullshit. She's like, I just want to make music that... I like playing that I like the sound of and that has a reason to exist. And right now the music that at the time she is the music I want to make is the music that embodies the raw emotions I'm feeling right now. And I'm just going to go for it and embrace it as an artist should to confront these feelings head on as yeah. difficult as it may be, because I will be able to out of the absolute darkness that she's going through at that time, be able to like look back and go I managed to light a small flame that could grow at that point rather than it be pure darkness and that's exactly what she's done but it was incredibly difficult um yeah. but it was the right decision and it's for for me and Andy the other um members of the band at the point that we were making the album it was really inspiring to work alongside someone who's willing to just go headlong into 
the unknown like that. Um, and when we were making decisions about, oh, do we prefer mix A or mix B of this song? We weren't thinking, well, which one's going to be best on radio? We were just thinking, which one do we like best? Which is a really nice way to do stuff and actually surprisingly rare, I think, because normally you're coming at stuff from a, everyone has commercial thoughts in their mind. They creep in, they can't help it. You just hear your manager say, uh, that, if it was a little shorter at the start, then I mean, it would get to the course quicker or something. And you're like, oh, yeah. fuck, let's just, <laughs> let's just do what we want to do. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, unfortunately, that's the, the capitalist world we live in, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. we have yeah. to think in the terms of money. But no, yeah. that is, it, it's incredible to hear that because I think, you know, so often, especially when an event does happen like that, so close to the writing process, mm. it tends to get, one of two things either it gets really really guarded and they don't you know nobody approaches it mm -hmm. um or in in this case what it sounds like is okay now is a great time for me to actually feel these feelings and explore it um and i think i think to your point you know i talk a lot about authenticity on the on this podcast where you know, when you're writing music and performing music that feels authentic, that it is stuff that you guys like, things like that, it's going to connect with the right people. Um, and now knowing some of this backstory, you know, hopefully that connects to the right people as well, where they go, man, like I get what she was going through with this. Uh, absolutely. You know, we'd, the reason we started this band was always to express something deeper, um, whether it was something that we were being explicit about in the lyrics, it didn't really match. It was more just the fact that we wanted to play on stage and have a connection with the audience and with each other that felt deep. There was just something about the magic of doing it that felt like had significance and importance. We then faced this situation, Kitty in particular faced this really difficult situation, which meant that she was like, well, now not only have I got something, a band that feels important to me and has this more deeper meaningful significance, I also can now use it as a tool to try and capture these things I'm feeling for better or worse and see where it takes me and, and allow it to be a kind of therapy, um, allow it to be some way of being able to take the feelings out and then look at them and make them a kind of finite thing rather than this overwhelming kind of black cloud. Um, and yeah, I think it was really, really brave to engage. And I think the, the authenticity that you just referred to with good artists, I think is really true. And we know the tour that we've just done was the first one that we've done where we've been playing songs off the new album. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, so we were supporting a band called Monster Magnet, who are US yeah. bands, like 90s US band. We supported them just before COVID, um, playing our old record. And then we mm -hmm. supported them just after, well, a couple of years after COVID, playing the new record, pretty much the same venues. So we had this real A, B, kind yeah. of thing and we knew when we played the first time we had a great response this time the response was just insane it was and I think it was because we were playing these songs and Kitty couldn't help but sing them with a pure authentic emotion you could just see in the audience that people were responding I don't think they necessarily knew the context or they knew what they were seeing but they right. could just sense that something was hitting them really hard yeah. um, and I I, I loved being part of that as a, as a fellow musician and as an artist. It's amazing to see your 
part, you know, something I've been involved in the creation of having that effect on an audience and really being able to see, okay, like doing this and being brave and being bold about this has helped Kitty get through this. And we're also helping other people express emotions and that's forming a connection, which is good for our band, which if our band is healthy, then we feel better. Like right. it was this hugely positive thing all around that is Kitty, said to make a tiny light a little candle in the dark is already starting to kind of catch light and it's an amazing feeling yeah yeah i think that's that's absolutely you know i i tell people all the time there's different measures of success right like mm -hmm. again there's the capitalist version of we all yeah. want millions and millions of dollars because that's the world we live in yeah but you know that what you just described i think is a totally different measure of success and hopefully not putting words in your mouth but probably a more meaningful measure Absolutely. of success as well absolutely more meaningful i would say that the few there's few things that we've had that have been a more capitalist external measure of success have all rung fairly hollow they're things that it's nice to have and it's nice that our manager can go oh that's cool because of that i'll be able to get you this better show or that's nice you know it's cool yeah. but I don't really care I don't I, th I don't hear the song on the radio on a really good slot and go well that's it job done amazing great I for me the success was when we listened back to the mix of the album and we're like yes that that's it that's what we wanted to hear that's what we set out to do and the three of us locked away in this room in this room a lot of the time made that and it couldn't have been, no one else could have done this. It's our thing for better or worse. And we're incredibly proud of it. And it feels right. It feels like we've taken our messy insides and kind of put them put them out and feel proud about how we've done it. So yeah, the, uh, you're totally right. The measures of success, there's a lot of different ones. And for some people, those more significant capitalist things are really important and they love it and that's but they get the buzz from and that's absolutely fine for them it's yeah. not for us you know we we've taken the decision to be very diy even though we're with a major label now they trust us 100 percent to just do things our way there's no there's no pressure to write a single or no pressure to work with a certain producer or anything just we were told you've got a deadline record an album that's it turn something in and then when we turned it in, they're like, cool, we like it. This is good. You know, it was it was very easy from, from that point of view. And we, for us, it's really important that our hands are over every element. Um, an analogy I've used before is if you're going to say something really meaningful, like you're going to tell someone you love them, you want to tell them yourself. And right. that person will respond so much better if you look them in the eye and tell them yourself than if you hire a corporate entity to come and do it for you with the world's biggest show and advertising campaign you know it might look amazing and other people might look at it and go wow doesn't that look incredible but for the recipient and for you it matters way more if you just look them in the eye and say it and it's the same for us making music we, if we're not the ones doing it it doesn't scratch the itch you know yeah. however good the song is if i've if i've sent it off and someone else has mixed it and produced it and totally changed the whole song it might get played on a better radio station or it might sell some more copies, but I won't care. You know, right. that's it. Simple as that. It's got to be us. Yeah. And I, I think that's a, a really cool perspective that I think gets lost a lot of times by, by maybe, maybe artists of any age, but 
particularly artists that are putting out their first works and things like that, where you had made the comment that, you know, this album is, is us and it couldn't have been done by anybody but us. Mm-hmm. Like keeping that in mind when you're creating art is really powerful because nobody else can tell your story. You're the only one yeah. that has it. Yeah, exactly. And you've, you've got, you know, look at, look at the iconic rock artists of our, you know, of the last couple of generations. And there's always something about them that you can say objectively could be considered weird or wrong. You know, say like Axl Rose's voice. It's weird, fuck, you know, like yeah. that is not, it's, it's the kind of thing where you can imagine that the first time someone heard that in a meeting, they're like, is this good? Is this iconic and different? Or is this going to be the reason no one wants to listen? You know, yeah. um, but only he can do it. He did it with full conviction, no embarrassment or anything. You know, it's like, this is who I am. This is my voice. and I'm just going to go out and fucking do it. And now it's compelling. It's incredible to watch. Like, you know, so you embrace your differences. Um, the A&R guy that we work with at the label that we've known for six or seven years now and it's the only reason we would have signed with the label is that we've had such a long relationship with him and he's seen us grow and understands our process he always says to us you know embrace your differences because that's what makes you you um and and we that's you know totally true like if i try and play guitar like someone else i can't do it i'm not very good i'm you know um but i know how to do my thing right like and i I find it quite easy because it's what comes naturally, but I've seen other people try and play some of the weird little quirks I do. And they're like, what the fuck, what are you doing there? And I'm like, I don't know, I can't really explain it. It's just a thing, it's a little quirk, but that's what makes it interesting, right? Yeah, well, and especially, you know, I think this is something that gets overlooked by quote unquote casual fans or listeners is, there are some nuances to guitar, bass, drums, whatever, like just because somebody can play, let's say a slash song, right? Yeah. Okay, great. That's technically proficient, Mm -hmm. but playing something technically proficient doesn't have the same emotion as what slash had. Mm -hmm. Same with, with you, like, and again, everybody's built different. Your finger spreads a little different. So making some of those bends may be a little easier or harder, things like that. Exactly. The nuances are really important. And ultimately, because you know, we're we're making rock music. And if you if you zoom out far enough and you've got someone who's maybe not a huge fan of rock music, they would just go, us and 200 other bands basically sound identical. Right. When you're a fan of this genre those small differences are really important. There's a reason why some people love Metallica, but hate Megadeth from go further out. And like, they are basically to, my mum would say they're the same fucking band, right? right? But to me, I I don't like Megadeth. I like Metallica. Like to me, there's a huge difference, but, and it's the same for us with our music that, you know, I I obsess over, I, I love guitars, but I really, don't like playing totally conventional guitar sounds it's a just yeah i just don't like doing it and it's not because i think there's anything wrong with those sounds it's just not what i want to do but if you go too far away from a conventional guitar sound it stops sounding like guitar and just becomes like a synth and i don't want to i still want to have all the excitement and rawness and power of like you know the marshall stack vibe right i want to do it in a different way 
if you're a guitarist, you'll probably notice like, oh, these guitar sounds are a little odd, something interesting going on there. And maybe if you're someone who's not a guitarist, you might just go, oh, the record overall kind of sounds a little abrasive or something. And then if you're someone who's not really a rock fan, you'd be like, to me, it will just sounds exactly the same. Right. So the differences, these differences are very, can be very small, but very important. And they are things that we obsess over as a band is how do we get character and tiny differences into every single thing we do we if we think anything we do sounds like something else we're like let's change it you know if that sounds like a conventional guitar what can we do to make it just go 10 percent beyond conventional like you know always looking sometimes we have to row back on it but on the whole the braver we are the happier we are with the result well i think especially you know with an album as powerful as what bloodsuckers is as far as the message and the emotion um being a little unconventional with that to help draw out that emotion mm -hmm. um you know i think it's so cliche and cheesy but music is such a an art form and such a universal language that like even if they don't understand kitty's words they can tell what the emotion is supposed to be based on the music behind them absolutely we don't we don't want the music and the lyrics to be two separate entities they should exist together to to deliver the message you know that's what makes great rock bands and metal bands what they are are people that you see you know three or four people on a stage acting as one and even though the singer is the one singing the words you can tell that the drummer knows what the song is about and is also putting that across and we really wanted to do that with the music you know we're not we used a lot of metal sort of approaches on this album but i don't really consider us a a metal band we're not confined by it right um it's just one of the tools in our arsenal that happened to be available to us at this time you know the next record might have a lot more piano on it or something it just depends on what we want to do i think um it's probably quite obvious but one of our biggest influences is nine inch nails and trent Reznor for me it's like the perfect He's like the perfect punk musician where there's nothing's off the table. Whatever instrument is to hand, he will use it to deliver a message that will be a bit dark or maybe a lot dark sometimes. Yeah. It will have some melody somewhere. It'll have something rhythmical that you can move to. It doesn't really matter what instrument he's got in his hands or his fingertips or if it's just a computer, he'll, he'll do something with it. And to me, that's like a really punk attitude, you know, um, someone like Jack White, I think, is the same. Um, I think all of these artists are really inspiring, and that's what we like to try and do as a band: is to take the same kind of um, brave decisions that those people might make, and be like, "Yeah, this riff might sound again like a a metal riff, but that doesn't mean that we're having to commit to all of the metal standards and cliches, and it has to be like this." Because there's a lot of baggage that comes with each of those genres, rock, metal, pop, like, and we want to avoid all of that baggage if we can and yeah. just use, steal the kind of sonics from things and, and make our own mishmash and ultimately support what Kitty wants to say um, and create a sound that is making that bigger, you know, at filling in the gaps where, where her lyrics stop. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I, 
I fucking hate genre labels anyway, uh, especially nowadays because nobody really fits in the boxes that mm. of anything. You know what I mean? Like, unless you're using the top level, like their metal. Okay. Yeah. But when you really dig into the metal yeah. box, there's 9,000 yeah. things to go Sometimes, into. Yeah. So um, I, I'm all about that as well. Like I hate when people are like, well, how would you describe their music? And I'm like, fuck, I yeah. wouldn't like, you just yeah. need to listen to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I agree totally. I think it's more about how it ultimately makes you feel. So I, I if I describe music, I tend to be like, well, it's it's dark and it's aggressive, right? Um, how they what instruments they use is kind of irrelevant. Say like a band like Sleep Token, it's epic and 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 high production value and kind of got this kind of like distant coldness to it. Mm-hmm whether they're using synths or guitars or like a choir of vocals, they kind of, that's, that's the vibe it's giving across and they could easily do an album that had no guitar on it. And it would still sound like a sleep token record if they're yeah. keeping that, that thing, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really admire bands that are able to just put across a feeling and a mood and it doesn't matter really what they're using to do it with. You're just totally, yeah. You're totally engaged you don't even really notice it's like if someone's like oh but it's weird there's a synth on this song you're like oh shit yeah i hadn't noticed that's it's fit so perfectly it didn't jar you know right right yeah and, and to your point of you know artist you mentioned jack white and it reminded mm. me of there's a, a documentary called it might get loud mm. um and it's no. got edge and jimmy page and him and there's a, a segment in that documentary that i encourage anybody to go listen to but Jack White literally builds a fucking guitar out of yeah. a glass Coke bottle, mm-hmm. a pair of pickups, mm-hmm. a nail and a two by four. Like yeah. what the yeah. fuck just happened here? It's incredible. It's incredible. And it's his approach to music that, that embodies his approach to music, make something simple and then just play it like you fucking mean it. That yeah. really, it is all about playing like you mean it. I mean, anyone who's seen us live knows that we really like to use physicality to put across the songs like it's a very important part of it and it's not contrived it's just it feels like if we're not doing that then we're not serving the songs and doing it justice and jack white is another person if you watch his live shows like he's a very physical performer and that is a great scene that bit is just you know hammers things plugs in an amp and he's playing something you're like this sounds cool i would listen yep. to a whole album of that right <laughs> I, would be, I would be more than happy and it in fact that inspired that scene inspired me to um we had a song on an old ep called brother and that was inspired really kind of by that i tuned all of the strings on the guitar to just two different notes so it's like one big power chord yeah. and played it with a slide and fuzz and and it was just i was i'm not a great slide player and I tried to play slide before in a more conventional way. And I was like, there's too many major notes happening and I couldn't get away from them. But I saw that and I was like, what happens if I, why don't I just take off the strings I don't need and just keep the ones I want. And so less, less uh, extreme and Jack White's approach of just having literally one string, but still kind right. of the same, the same concept. And just don't think about the notes, just go like, I want a low note, I want a high note and yeah. make some noise. Yeah, I love yeah. that it's it's insane and again yeah. anybody that hasn't seen it needs to go watch it because it's, it's a incredible great document. it's a great great film yeah 
Um, let's dive into the album some. Obviously, we want to promote this. So we've got Bloodsuckers. Um, like you guys, or like you said at the beginning, you guys are mostly DIY. Um, obviously, you get a little bit of helping hand from production and things like that. Um, walk through. So we know the overarching with Kitty losing her mother. Um, but walk through kind of building these songs and trying to to give the energy to her words that that made that amplification and what it was like when you guys are constructing this to kind of obviously you're all close but to feel what she's feeling but there's so there's there's kind of like a few distinct stages to how we write and create something the first thing is just a very simple idea between kitty and i where it might be a riff or it might be a lyric or it might be just an idea of wouldn't it be cool to have a song that started here and ended here we just we have something that inspires the initial idea and we'll do a very rough demo of whatever that might be and it might be 15 seconds long or like 10 minutes long it's just a thing there's the initial kind of oof. then we will finesse that into something that's a bit more of a song like shape and we'll take it to Andy our drummer who is an incredible drummer and he will you know we'll talk about what the song's about Kitty by that point will have a fairly good idea even if she hasn't written all the lyrics of this is where I think this should go um I want this to be a soundtrack to whatever it's going to be and so that really helps Andy kind of come up with what he wants to do drumming wise and we the song then really takes shape there and we play something together and it becomes a song but we're still kitting out at that point we're very much kind of like we're throwing everything at it like andy's turning the drums into a definite thing but we're still just collecting ideas so we've the song's got a rough shape but we're definitely not committing to anything at that point and then we will go we for this album we went and recorded the drums um on a studio that's in a boat uh, right in the middle of London on the river there's a boat that's like a mobile lighthouse or used to be a mobile lighthouse and in the hull of it there's a studio and we 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 lived on the boat for five days and did two tracks of drums a day um and just the three of us really kind of dug into uh, even though we were just recording the drums we still played guitar and Kitty sang along with it to try right. and give Andy as much vibe as possible and in doing that we heard Kitty start for the first time delivering some of the lyrics kind of and even though she was being relatively restrained at that point because it was quite a public setting you've still got an engineer there and it's early days like there's some elements but you could see like okay we can see where this is going and it would really start to it started to feel like an album you could start to see the potential in the whole thing um and then the the big stage is when we then get that back to Kit in my studio and we start actually building the songs up from there. We've got the drums and we know, okay, this is, we think this is the main guitar riff to the song, but it might change quite significantly at that point and become a different instrument played on bass or a totally different key or whatever. And we basically just work and work and work on, on that basis. We've got these drums and we, we don't, change the drums we're not um we don't fix anything we're quite anti you know we're quite jack this is where our jack white influence comes again is like yeah. don't fuck with stuff like andy is an incredible drummer 
we will get great takes from him. We don't need to fix it. We don't need to sample or replace it. We, I, we love bands like Rage Against the Machine and stuff where there's a real great rhythmical element that's just pure. You know, you, yeah. a, a brilliantly played drum kit is a wonderful thing. And we don't want to mess about with that. So like, that's kind of sacred. The drums are there. We're not going to mess with them. Everything else is up for grabs. And so, you know, Kitty might be like, well, I liked the guitar if we had, but I thought it might be cool if it was a little messier at the end. And I'll be like, I don't know what you mean. Grab a guitar, play me what you mean. And she'll be playing it and I'll fiddle with pedals and I'll go, well, let's just record that. And we record it and that's it. That, yeah. you know, it goes from idea to final version as fast as that sometimes. Um, and in that process, we're constantly talking about the meaning of the song and constantly talking about what we're trying to get across. And all during this process, Kitty's like adding to her lyrical pile, you know, right. She's expanding on themes and stuff. But a lot of it, a lot of it was, you know, she was in a very dark place um, and really exhausted mentally and emotionally throughout the period and would be like, I, can't do anything today I'm, I'm exhausted i'm just too tired i just need to sit in bed and do nothing and then 10 o'clock at night she'd be like i really want to sing on this song i've just written some words i want to do it right now I'd be like, okay call the song up you know put it up on the computer and give kit your microphone and let her go for it and capture the raw emotion that she was feeling right then having just written it and just ride that wave and then you know, the next morning I might come into the studio and listen back to and be like, wow, that's really inspired me to now have a guitar line I want to put in the gaps here that would feel like the rest of her voice or, you know, so you, we were constantly living in that world yeah. and Kitty was living it in such a raw way and seeing someone up close going through something so difficult, but really leaning into it, um, it was a, kind of a dream as an artist to be creating something so authentic and pure and in the moment with someone who was being so brave about their decisions to do it we did check in with her constantly like are you sure you want to do this are you up like this okay. looks painful like it looks like you're having a terrible time doing it. she's like no i want to do this. this this is this is the start of the healing process like it's ugly but I want to do it. And um, um, we had Sean Bevan who worked with Nine Inch Nails in their like iconic early period. Um, he was on our shortlist of one person to potentially do something with. And when we first started the album recording process, we were quite daunted by beginning. We, it's like our brains were in one mode, which was very emotional, and we knew we had to end up with a finished record, and we weren't quite sure how to get started. And we were on a, suddenly on a major label, and a lot of doubt crept in, and a lot of like perceived pressure, even though there wasn't any pressure put on us. We put pressure on ourselves, thinking, should we be, this is our opportunity, should we be making everything sound really radio-friendly? And we just started having a bit of a kind of freak out, Right. And we played our demos to Sean and he was like, these are fucking great. Just do what you're doing on that, but even more. And, uh, and we said, Kitty was like, I'm going to start recording vocals for the song you're going to mix tomorrow. How should I approach it? And he was like, goes do it the way we did it with Trent Reznor in the early days, which is just a handheld live microphone, turn the music up, 
and just fucking go for it. Don't worry about the sonic perfection. No one cares. Like it's all about the performance and you're right now, the key is the performance. And that's what we did. And it gave us permission to just believe in ourselves. And we carried on that blueprint for the rest of the album. So even though Sean only worked on Follow You, which is coming out with the album on the 21st, um, it was the first song we recorded for the album. And it really allowed us to have a blueprint of like, right, someone who's that experienced, likes what we're doing, believes we're taking the right approach. And in fact, has given us permission to take it even further. Yeah. It gave us suddenly this belief. The next day we just ran with it and didn't Stop. yeah yeah that's that's incredible and you know to hear that that encouragement right like like you just said of having sean sit there and say like this is what you need to do like this is the right path mm -hmm. um and don't be don't be so hung up on not that he's not hung up on production but you get where i'm going with this like yeah, don't yeah. don't try to make it clean like yeah yeah. make it what it is yeah exactly capture something and like he you know kitty as i said earlier like she had this thing like some things are bullshit some things aren't and this very much came into the recording the album was like she was like yeah that's it that's all it's be on it's be all these thoughts and feelings captured as raw as possible just as untidy as that might be because that's authentic and let's just see how that sounds let's just do it and see how we feel about it. we did it and we just loved it we you know i listened back to the album and i find it really moving um knowing how much guts it took for kitty to sing some of that stuff um yeah. and uh i'm incredibly proud of what we've done and that we didn't compromise one tiny little bit i i'm really happy with it and i'm happy for us to kind of live or die by that decision it's I'm satisfied whether the record sells or not. It doesn't really matter now that yeah. we're already thinking about what the next thing's going to be, you know, where yeah. we lived in that world, made that album. We love playing it live and revisiting it already, but we're, we're artists and we're thinking about the next thing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, just finding that out post me listening to this album a few times, like I'm thinking back to some of the songs and I'm like, okay, like, I get a little bit more of that depth. Like I knew there was something there, but to know like how raw some of that is, um, mm -hmm. it really does put that in, in perspective. And, you know, hopefully people, um, obviously we still want them to make whatever connections they make with it, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's a relationship, a, a loved one, whatever. Um, but to know that it's not, it's not a engineered emotion. It is mm -hmm. a real emotion that's being portrayed. I think that's going to be really powerful. Yeah. Um, and it, the song that came to mind when you were kind of talking about that was um, This Is Not The End, mm -hmm. which is a little bit of the softer side of this album. But again, listening back in my head, I'm like, okay, I get why they dialed back some of the sonics of this mm -hmm. to let Kitty stand out here vocally. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, so that song was really interesting because um, we had pretty much finished the album and that song wasn't on it or it wasn't in any, didn't exist. Um, and we listened back to it and we were like, we wanted, we wanted something to end the first half. Mm -hmm. We were like, and Katie said, I've, I've reached the point where I've let out all this rage because 
you know, she's going through grief, but she's also suffered from mental health difficulties that was all coinciding, right. um, had other personal issues that just, it was just this perfect storm of difficult things. So she had a lot of things to rage at, a lot of grief and, a, and a, these mental health difficulties. She's like, I've let out all of the intensity in the angry side. That's now allowing me to really examine the softer sides of grief and actually she's like write an actual song for my mum like that's what I want to do and uh I had written a piano part six months before with a melody just for you know just just to create something yeah and I was like well I've got this rough melody if that's any use you know and she was like how's it go played it and then she's like leave me alone you know just, I'm gonna do something and I left her alone for like an hour came back upstairs like after you know like making a few coffees or something and she's like I've, I've I've written the song and I've recorded the song and she had recorded her own vocal she just did it so yeah. she wrote the lyrics played the piano and recorded the vocal all in like an hour just on her own and uh yeah, it was, it was hard to listen to. I listened back and I was like, that is so raw. Um, and uh, I, was, I was really moved, you know, uh, and I was like, I, I'm, I'm so pleased that this tiny little melodic idea that I had 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 served as the beginning of something that for her, an hour beforehand, she was a different person than she was when she finished that song. And it was an amazing transformation. I was like, but that's it, that, that song has to go on the record now. Like that, there's something like it just embodies the entire spirit of what we've been doing, which is just do it, you know, but there was a, there was an error on the song, which was that when Kitty's not as, uh, she's not as used to engineering stuff as me. And she basically like pressed a wrong button on the recording software at one point, which meant that the computer, the whole time she was recording the vocal was kind of glitching out and dying. So when we listen back to the vocal, there's these little weird digital artifacts that the first time we heard it, I was like, this is amazing. But I assumed that there was just something and I li I listened back after she had gone. I was like, shit, they're baked in. They're, they're in the fucking vocal. Yeah. And I, I, I had to talk to her the next day. I was like, I don't know what you want to do. Like, this is part of it. Like, and we listened back and she was like, I like it as it is. I like the little fuck up, these little weird glitches. She goes, it makes, you know, and I was like, actually, yeah, this is, this is a nine inch nails kind of thing. This is, we would spend a week trying to figure out how to make this happen. Right. You know, to fuck the vocal up a tiny bit and it makes it feel otherworldly and it feels even more broken and, and vulnerable as a result. And so we just live with it. So, I mean, you can't get any more like unsonic perfection than literally something where the audio is mangled yeah. on a ballad of all things you know like the one song on the album that hasn't got swearing that might get played on the radio and yeah. we've gone <laughs> we've gone and yeah. used the one with the mangled vocal audio but we love it and it i think it really represents um it really represents kind of what kitty was trying to get across and again it was her big picture vision of i think this sounds great and actually it works better than my initial reaction, which was like, shit, this might be wrong in some way. 
So, you know, he's always got this kind of braver kind of approach to it that I'm always looking to, to try and emulate from the get-go, but I tend to have to look to her to be like, have we nailed it? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, cool, okay. Well, that's, that's where it's a blessing and a curse, right? You're obviously a perfectionist when it comes to your craft. So it's like, yeah. well, I, I think I could do one more thing. Like, yeah. no, yeah. it's fine, John, leave it alone. Yeah. I got exactly. this. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, think, I think a lot of people find it odd that I have that mindset when the output I make is often quite raw and noisy and messy but it's exactly what I wanted it to sound like. Right. So that raw and messy and weird and stuff, those are, that's all intentional. Um, yeah. It's not through lack of, it's, it's not that I'm trying to make a great sounding like Nickelback level rock record and right. just can't do it. That shit's, that shit these days is really easy. It's, e it's easier to do that than then not do that because all of the plugins, all of the software is built to just do that as quickly as possible. You know, yeah. take drums, play guitar, like everything's there to just do that radio ready thing as quickly as possible. It takes a lot longer to try and make weird fucked up stuff, <laughs> but there's still rocks, you know, like, so yeah, it's, um, it's all intentional and I'm a perfectionist about it, but the end result makes it sound like we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's organized chaos, right? Like to the chaos. outsider, it is pure yeah. chaos. And it's like, yeah. what the fuck happened here? Yeah. But to the people on the inside, they're like, all right, I know yeah. where everything is. I did this yeah. on purpose. This is yeah. my filing system, whatever. Like I got this. Exactly, that's a hundred percent it. It's your own idiosyncrasies. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Um, another one that I wanted to touch on was At War With Myself. Um, I, I did know about some of Kitty's uh, mental health struggles because she's talked about those before. And, you know, again, through my deep dive, I, I found some of that. Um, a little on the nose, obviously, with the song title. Yeah. But then lyrically, she does this really beautiful thing of it's still on the nose, but it's hidden in just enough metaphor where it can apply to anything. Yeah. um seeing her song craft like that what does it kind of inspire you or you know what do you take away when she does present these lyrics and you go holy shit like well, yeah. i know what you're talking about but i at the same time i don't know what you're talking about yeah absolutely well i mean that i'm really glad you want to talk about that song because that was the other one that i i think i would have brought up as well as a particularly interesting kind of like process and that one came about the you know, I, I'd seen Kitty struggle with her mental health issues and the way it manifested was that she would like have moments where she just reached like a kind of fever pitch of like anxiety and kind of rage almost that was not directed at anyone in particular and then mostly at herself and then kind of collapse down and be really exhausted and just so upset with herself for allowing it to get to that level, but it was all uncontrollable. Yeah. And then in between times, just be totally fine and be like, I know that this is a problem and I'm trying to engage with it and deal with it. And she's like, I want to write a song that just has the journey. Like, she goes, I want it to start with a little tiny, annoying, mosquito-y kind of noise that's like, she goes, that is just, she goes, and I'm, I'm having my normal day and I just feel this thing in my brain go, you're going to go fucking crazy crazy today you know yeah and have this little thing that's just you can't ignore it 
And so I had a very rough shape for something musical that I demoed, just this annoying little guitar bit. And I was like, I think we should just have that. It should just build and then it should go fucking crazy at the end. And she was like, cool, right. And came back with the lyrics. And um, and I, having seen her, kind of understood it 100%. I read the lyrics and heard it. I was like, I get it. This is cool. And we kind of mapped out the song. It was quite a methodical process of how does this look? How does this sound? And build to something that is a relentless, churning, unstoppable there's there's form and there's chaos in it there's like a nightmare at the end yeah. and then kitty said i really want it to be the because she was like i'm so bored of feeling like this i mean it's so unglamorous and uninteresting she goes i'm so bored of thinking about my mental health and having to be careful of it it's just i'm fucking sick of it and so she was like it's the same old shit i'm so sick of myself line just refrain just sung in this kind of monotonal thing that's surrounded by static and chaos and a kind of grinding industrial beat so you've got like the horror and then just the monotony um of it and then it just cuts off to say like well we press stop on it but it it carries on as long as it carries on and i love that song i love how artistic it is and when we yeah. The last tour that we just did, even though we were the support band, we opened the set with that each night, which was kind of ridiculous in some ways, um, because, you know, people expect a support band to be kind of coming out and being a bit more kind of party time about stuff and get the show going. But we were like, yeah. well, fuck it, let's just treat it like a headline show and let's let's set the mood and do that, yeah. surprise people a bit, have this build. And by the end, you know, Kitty's going fucking crazy and everything feels like wild and then we go into something kind of more kind of like conventionally kind of rocking and stuff and it works really well so yeah the the on the nose thing was a very intentional thing throughout the album like it was like i don't i don't want to kind of call a song like moments on a lake in winter time she goes no i want to call it at war with myself you know yeah. Uh, uh, like I mean nothing to you you know these like very yeah. deliberate lyrics um, yeah. and I like that it's if that's what you're feeling in the, the moment then just be that person yeah for sure and I I think it it does lend itself to the artistry of it as well like I'm a big pop punk fan as well but you know some pop punk titles are the most ridiculous shit ever and it mm -hmm. has nothing to do with the song and you're like yeah. Were you guys just yeah. like, was there a bet on how stupid yeah. the title could be? Like, what's going on? Yeah. So to have, you know, the titles still be a little bit on the nose, mm -hmm. I think it'll also help when showing the music to people. And it's easier to say like, oh, I've yeah. got a song for that thing you're feeling. This is what yeah. it is. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's just, you know, you have to create something that is authentic and the people who will enjoy it or engage with it enjoy is probably the wrong way to think like you know once you're making music that's kind of this dark enjoy is a strange word to use for it right. but find something in it and connect with it i think the people there might be someone who hears it one day and is like ah, that's cool and then a year later something's happened in their life and they listen back they hear it again and they're like shit this song's speaking to me in a whole way that i'd never thought of before um i think a song like at war with myself if i hadn't seen someone have a mental 
kind of anxiety explosion episode right would make as much sense to me as it does now having kind of been up close and know someone who i care about a lot in that situation i would have enjoyed the song the shape of the song and the sound of the song and probably would have sung the words along with it but i wouldn't have got the like the essence of it it would have had a different meaning to me you know and i think that there's something really nice in that that um people even when it is really on the nose actually a lot of people will not engage with that element of it they'll take from it what they want we saw that with a friend of ours who heard one of the other songs on there i am and that song has a very specific meaning that's very personal to kitty about like defiance and this thing but her friend heard it and had gone through a very different traumatic time of her own and clearly was taking something very different from it. She's like, this is my favorite song on the album and this is why. And, it's, and it was like, well, that's, we didn't want to say, well, that's not what the song's actually right. originally about at all. Cause for her, it hundred percent is. And, and I, I love that. I think that's really exciting. So it's great to see your art become a living thing outside of your head. Yeah, for sure. And that, that reminds me of, I bring this Dave Grohl thing up far more often than I probably should on the podcast, but it reminds me of two Dave Grohl things. One is he was on the Kelly Clarkson show and she was telling him that her favorite song of his is Learn to Fly. Mm-hmm. And she thought it was this big, like grandiose metaphor about, you know, religion or whatever it was. Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's really beautiful that you think that. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get my fucking pilot's license. That was literally about me learning how to fly. <laughs> like <laughs> it had nothing yeah, to do with nice anything else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but he, I'm pretty sure, um, I'm going to paraphrase the quote regardless, because I'm going to fuck it up. But, um, you know, to your point just now, he said that when crafting a song and, and producing music, it's amazing how when you're doing it internally, it has one meaning, right? Like to you guys, that song has one meaning. But once you put it out there in the world, it means a million different things to a million different people because mm-hmm. everybody has a, di- a different point mm-hmm. of view, a unique story. Something else is going to connect. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, like you and I are saying, that's why we don't get in the weeds about, well, this is exactly what happened. You know, this is where this came from. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody makes a connection to it and it helps them get through something or resolve something, something in their life, Mm-hmm. who am I to take that away from you uh, absolutely and I think if we wanted to be that kind of didactic about the way we wanted to tell a story it, we would just write prose we would just write an essay about something you know that would be the way that we would feel the best way to communicate it the reason we're making art <coughs> uh, reason we're making art of this type is that one it's the best way for us to release something you know for us to get it outside and so on a selfish level, it's really good for us. And then on the other side is we're making something that we're hoping people can interpret in their own way. That's that's an intentional element of the whole thing. You know, there's a reason why sometimes when you're writing lyrics, it's nicer to make a line rhyme than it is to make it make sense. Because right. actually the poetry in the moment and the feeling of being in it and not being jarred out of it is more important in that moment than it is for the line to make perfect sense when read outside the context of the song. And then other times you specifically will put something in that doesn't rhyme to make it jar, 
to throw someone off because you're about to do a change in the song or it's a tool you know right. so all of these things are kind of tools to control your audience you know you, when you're an artist you're ultimately the kind of a manipulator um of of the kind of space that people are in you're changing their environment so when put, someone puts their headphones on to listen to our music they're kind of entering the world that we have created and that yeah. world has rules and and boundaries and we have tricks and ways of trying to make that set that person up to feel something and then either deliver it in a satisfying way or surprise them with a kind of something out of left field and every every artist is always trying to do that it's just everyone has a different way of doing it and that's what makes it interesting yeah yeah and i i think that's a really awesome way to think about that is that you know like regardless of if it's you guys nine inch nails whoever the the band is when you put on the headphones yes you're still in your world but you're entering my vision of it or you know mm -hmm. this this alternate reality is mm -hmm. what that that musical soundscape is and i think it is um you've made the comment that you're kind of a manipulator and i've never thought of it that way mm -hmm. but that's really true that you know as an artist i'm not in a malicious way but i'm going to manipulate the way that you're thinking and viewing these words and these sounds exactly it's like and you, and you know it's the it's not malicious because you're not doing it against someone's will you know right. they're choosing to engage with it they're, they're willfully submitting at that moment to your kind of like worldview or sonic kind of concoction and everything and i i, I really enjoy entering other people's or that and it's i'm uh I'm not a voracious listener of music. I, I I like to pick my moment to engage with it. And it's because I like to engage with it so wholeheartedly that I find it quite hard to have background music on. I'm not, I don't, I, I don't have music on while I'm like doing the dishes or anything. You know, it's, um, if I'm gonna, because I'm so transported, I can't really do anything else in that moment. Um, and it would be dangerous for me to be kind of like driving or, you know, I, I need to kind of concentrate on it because I am so transported um, and I love l allowing it, particularly if it's a new album, seeing where it takes you and, and trying to be as un, uh, uncritical as I possibly can be. You know, when you're a musician, you do know some of the tricks that are being used and you recognise things you're like, Oh, they've taken it there. So it surprises you for different reasons than maybe kind of a regular listen like listen I have. But I, I try and regress to that kind of more innocent, unmusical state and enter into the world that someone's created and in, enjoy it for what it is and come away from it. And when you come back to reality at the end of the album, you're like, oh, don't, I don't know if I want to be back in reality. I was, I was in a really cool place just then. You know, it's like someone suddenly put the light switch on and you're like, no <laughs> right take me back <laughs> yeah yeah no i i love that and i i'm very much the the same way in that like i do use a lot of background music but for other reasons it's more of a to be distracted from you know different tasks or whatever um mm -hmm. but very much if i'm sitting down and like wanting to focus on on music or intentionally focusing on it i'm mm -hmm. very much the same way that like it's very easy for me to just be transported to where I need to be on it. Yeah. Um, and I think I know your answer on this, but I'm a big stickler about when a new album comes out, even though, you know, society nowadays is much different. Uh, I hate P 
people that skip around on the album. The first three times that you listen to an album, it's got to be front to back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I it's so important to me. Like the, there's there's a lot of intention that goes into piecing together the playlist of an album, and you know, I think most bands, it's really important to them what they do with that. It's not a coincidence that it kind of goes in a certain order. Like it's there's an intention, and so if you're going to engage with the songs. You should engage with the album as the whole story. See, it would be no different than sitting down to watch a film and just randomly watching scenes. And then at the end, you know, imagine if you watch, like you've got a Star Wars shirt on, if you yeah. watch Star Wars, just random scenes at a time. And then you were like, oh, that was just shit. That was, I, I never got into that. Right. So of course you fucking didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you watched it in the wrong order. It's like, it makes no sense. The story has to be told in a, and you can maybe get a sense of the world it's in but you're not transported in the same way and I think yeah I totally agree with you you need to if you're going to listen to the album do try and engage the way through um or at least as far as you can get before having to stop and then pick it up again at that point yeah yeah I I say a minimum of three times and then you can pick all your singles out whatever but to me the first time is that that surface level kind of just see what grabs you kind of make notes in your head about okay like that that third song i want to investigate whatever um number two is where the second playthrough you like deep dive into the sonics of it yeah where does this take me where what am i feeling Mm -hmm. and number three you deep dive into those lyrics and go okay what what are they saying you know yeah yeah um it's so important to me absolutely and i i think that in particular, I'm a big fan of album closes. I really like the mm-hmm. end of the album. Um, the same as I like a live show. I like the end of a show, not to just be, here's our big hit. I like it when a band tries to take you somewhere with it. And um, you can't, the, the end of an album, you, if you just listen to the album closer on its own, there's no context. You have to have like got there. And sometimes yeah. that album closer is something that is this huge reward and it, it needs, you need to have put the work in to really understand it. And I, I, because of that, I will, I know there's songs I've played to people being like, this song's amazing, you're gonna love it. And they're there kind of like, ah, it's okay. And I realize it's because they haven't heard the 10 songs that came before it right. and have that context. You know, you can't just rip it out and expect it to do the same job. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as we kind of wrap up here, I'm looking at the calendar. I think I'm going to have this going live, um, probably on Wednesday, the 19th. So just a couple days before the album drops, mm-hmm. um, hopefully one last push of, of promotion for you. Thank you. Yeah. One of the, one of the big questions I love asking right before an album though, is if you had to pick two songs, it's kind of a two part mm-hmm. question. Number one is the song that you think people are going to gravitate to. And number two is the song that you want them to gravitate to. Oh, what do you a, think that's going to be? <laughs> that's a really hard question. Um, I mean, we've already released a couple of singles and I think that, you know, you tend to choose your singles thinking which are the ones people are most likely to gravitate to. Yeah. Because I think it's probably an adventure. I think the song Outsider is probably the one that people will get into quickest and easiest because it's it's a more um, it's less challenging to listen to. 
like the lyric and the intention was for Kitty to be singing to her younger self. So we wanted a kind of naivety to the way it was put together for it to just start with a vocal and a guitar and for it to have an innocence to it. And I, but I think that actually makes it quite accessible yeah. um, to people. Outside of that, I mean, I, I just fucking love all of it. So it's really hard to say what they should gravitate towards. I think, I think at war with myself is probably something that if, if someone had the whole album and they were like, oh, I really got into Outsider first. And then after a few more listens, I just love at war with myself. That would be a great thing to hear, a great journey to know that we've managed to take someone from being a fan of the more kind of commercial end to really understanding it, particularly if it's someone who's like, this is kind of more dark and unusual music than I'd normally listen to, but you've managed to sell me on this kind of sound. I would, I would love that if that song could do it. And I feel like that's a place that musically we might be going more regularly as well. So it'd be nice to know that people could follow us on that journey. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with both those. And I think for me personally, this is not the end. I think is going to be that sleeper track. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that slow burn that like the numbers are just never going to like crazy mm-hmm. spike, I don't think. But I think they're just going to gradually, constantly be increasing um, just because it's it is it's different mm-hmm. in one sense from the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. But from an accessibility standpoint to your your point there, if people give it the chance that it deserves, it's yeah. going to become a favorite. Yeah, I, I mean, we we played it on this last tour, which again was a weird thing to do, I think. Like, um, but Kitty's, I really want to do it live. And it was really hard for her every night to do, but you could see the response in the audience. People were moved by it, even if they didn't know what it was about. And yeah, I, th- I think you're right that I don't think it's going to be something that you're going to suddenly hear loads on the radio, but... I'm already aware that people will want to hear it on our headline tour we've got coming up in October in the UK. I can, you know, that that song's going to feature in the set for sure because it's a Im- very important song on the record. And I, I, I think if, you know, if the likes of you are responding to it, then, then there's no reason why it uh, doesn't deserve its spot in the set. Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously you just dropped a little bit of knowledge with what you're allowed to say, let's not get you in trouble with the record label or anybody. Uh, What does the rest of the year look like for you guys? You dropped the album, you've got a a fall tour coming up. Yeah, so we're we're still slightly suffering from kind of like COVID blues in terms of like, you know, we're we're not a high priority band for any of the industry part that we're involved with. We're still trying to prove ourselves and stuff. So we've still got a knock on effect that the touring cycle hasn't got as busy as we need it to be so it's from spring next year is when everything's looking like for us it goes back to how it should be and kind of picks up where we dropped off in spring 2020 which is insane four years um but it's it's taken that long for the machine to get going but we're gonna we're already writing more music we just can't stop you know it's just it's what we do um we will be we've got another video that will be coming out for the song follow you which is the one produced by sean bevan that will be coming out a couple of weeks after the album um for this is not the end we just released a live video that um we actually recorded a live version of it at rockfield studios which is where 
Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded. We just yeah. went there. We had three hours to go in and set up the equipment. Kitty play the Bohemian Rhapsody piano and uh, yeah. sing the version. And she did a fantastic rendition of it. Again, hugely moving, different to the album. And I'm, I love both versions equally. Um, and uh, yeah, so the, the tour, we'll be doing some more support shows with people. There's a few other things I can't talk about, but ultimately we're going to be writing more music and spring next year is when we're going to be really hitting the road and kind of relentlessly uh, shoving this record down people's throats on stage. It's a great record to do it with, man. I'm I'm really excited for it. Uh, obviously, being in the U.S., it may be a little while before I get to see you, unfortunately. But, um, you know, hopefully you'll get one of those. I mean, you've done shows with Monster Magnet. Maybe they'll do something over here and say, hey, guys, get over here. Yeah, I mean, it's and doing doing, you know, you taking the time to talk to us is, you know, we very appreciative of it because all this stuff plays a big part in uh in making these movies, doing this kind of stuff a few years ago in Europe, which is what got us into Europe. So there's no reason why this isn't kind of the first foothold in, in starting to make something happen in the States. And a lot depends, as you said, on if a band is like, hey guys, you wanna come and play some shows? And we've got, we've got friends who've been in that situation in the last year, who've gone over and played shows with bands like Clutch and stuff like that. So yeah. no reason I don't think that we can't get over it's just, the timing being right and the opportunity happening at the right moment that we haven't got another tour that we've been in Germany right. or something, you know, whatever. But we would love to play in the States. We, we have uh, a large proportion of people that bought stuff from our own label were in the States. So we know that there's people there who want to see us and no reason why our music isn't going to translate. So yeah, yeah. very excited. Yeah, awesome. Um, so obviously I'll link all your socials and everything, but where can people find you guys online? What's the best way to interact with you? Uh, I mean, the best thing is all the regular, all the regular social sites. If you message us, message us on Instagram, one of the band will, will pick it up. Um, we are very happy to talk to people. You know, we are far from being kind of like keeping a rock star distance. Like right. we're not going to shove our, serve stuff down people's throats like all the time but if you want to talk to us and ask ask about the band or anything like we're happy to chat we we love talking to fans like if people have got personal stories that relate to the songs it's it's always good to know that it's touching people yeah awesome man i really appreciate your time especially with the the time zone difference as well i know it's starting to get a little late for you so yeah yeah it's, uh, it's okay it's okay <laughs> Yeah, but I, I appreciate it. Um, like I said, really looking forward to what you guys are, are doing and hopefully um, getting over to the States soon. And, you know, we'll just keep blasting as much of you as we can over here. So I, I really appreciate your time, John. It's been a, a great time chatting with you and kind of getting to know a little more about the album. Brilliant. Well, thank, thanks so much for taking time and stay in touch. We will. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. And uh you go have a good night. I'm going to go eat dinner and then probably bed shortly after that for me. <laughs> oh, nice one, dude. Take care yeah. of yourself. Thank you. You Bye. too. Goodbye. Bye. And that was my conversation with John of the band St. Agnes. Um, huge shout out to him. Again, you know, I said it at the beginning of this episode, but uh, I am really grateful for him taking the time to reschedule with me and uh, make the time it was a little bit late of a night for him 
when we were able to connect. So really, really appreciate that. Um, hope you guys enjoyed it. I think this was a great look into kind of the depth of this album um, and what maybe a lot of casual listeners don't understand around heavier music um, because they can't get past the surface. So, you know, hearing this and knowing some of the details around the struggles that Kitty was going through, the trials and tribulations that she had while writing the record and kind of what spurred some of the um, the songs and things like that, it's really, really powerful. And then going back to listen through again uh, really puts things into a, a perspective that gives you a whole new appreciation for the the artwork and the craft that they have done around this. So, um, as always, I'm going to link all their socials in the description of this podcast. Be sure you go give them a like, share, subscribe, follow, uh, all that fun stuff. And just let them know that you listened to the episode, that you guys enjoyed it. Let them know if you've pre-saved the album, um, or once you've listened to the album and it, you know, impacts you in any sort of way. The band wants to know that. Um, Kitty and John both are very open about that sort of stuff. You know, mental health and just the the impact of music in general. Uh, and they would absolutely love to hear from you if, if this album does that for you in any way. So um, that's everything I've got for you guys on this episode. Really appreciate everything you're doing for me. All the support and love that you're given. Um, be sure that you're sharing this podcast as well as you know the facebook or instagram posts with live music galleries and things like that the concert photography the uh, merch all of it anything you guys can do to to help share like and and promote that with me would be incredible um and yeah that's that's everything i've got so as always guys remember take care of yourselves take care of each other And you make the scene.